Good evening. The second Bible reading today comes from Romans chapter 15, verses 1 to 13, and is found on page 1190 on some of the few Bibles. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbour for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Good evening, friends. It's really good that the Nessus can join us this evening. Uh, Daniel and myself, we went to RMIT together a few decades ago now, and I think we've been on NT mission together, so we've got um, a long, long friendship. So it's good to hear of your work. Um, thank you, Anna, also for those words of wisdom. I actually do fear being shot each time I wash the dishes. I might break something and get shot, but anyway... Uh, well, we are towards almost the end of Romans. If you have just joined us in our church, we've been working through Romans for quite a while. Last year we did Romans 1 to 8, and this year we started from Romans 9, and we're making our way to Romans 16 in two weeks' time. Uh, so if you have missed out and you would like to catch up, you can find the talks online. Uh, but as we come to this passage, uh, Romans 15, let's ask God for his help once again. Let's join in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And we pray, Lord, that your word will pierce our hearts, the deepest part of our, of our souls, that we might be changed and that we might live lives that is honouring to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, do you have a motto that you live by? You know what I mean by mottos, words, sayings, principles that guide how you live, what you do, how you behave, what you live for. Now, I did a little bit of research uh, to see what the types of mottos there are out there that people live by, and there are some very fascinating ones. Here are some of them. What do you think about this? If you believe, you can achieve. It even rhymes, that one. <laughs> what about this one? Listen to your heart more than your head. This motto will get you in trouble, but it's never boring. What about this one? This one, I suspect, applies to many of you. My university motto, 
if tomorrow isn't the due date, today isn't the due date. <laughs> well, what about this one? Life is a long process of getting tired. So inspirational. <laughs> what about this one? If you are going to be weird, be confident about it. And so there's some motivation for you widows, not that there are any here. <laughs> With this one, we are born wet, naked and hungry, then things get worse. Again, very motivational. <laughs> but my favourite is this. Don't worry, be Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce, there you go. <laughs> but of course, there are all sorts of mottos out there. Uh, schools have it, companies have it, you might have your own that you live by, but mottos actually tells us a lot about ourselves and about you, what you are on about, who you are, what you live for. Now, as we come to the end of almost Romans, I've come up with a motto myself, which I, I think captures what our passage is about, and therefore what Christians should be about. And it is this, it is on your outline. Look outwards following the pattern of Christ and look upwards pursuing the purpose of Christ. Look outwards following the pattern of Christ and look upwards pursuing the purpose of Christ. Outwards and upwards. And I reckon this summarizes the last few chapters of Romans. It rounds off the ethical teachings of Paul from Romans 12. Do you remember that? From Romans 12, in view of God's mercy, that is, in view of all that God has purposed and done in his son Jesus to bring salvation to this world, in view of all God has done in, from Romans 1 to Romans 11, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And that is your logical worship. And so now, this is the pattern for your life, and I think this motto helpfully summarizes that. Look outwards, following the pattern of Christ, and look upwards, pursuing the purpose of Christ. And so let's consider this. Firstly, look outwards, following the pattern of Christ. That is, look outwards for the good of others. You see, for us who are Christians, we live not for ourselves, but for the good of others. Christianity is always outward-focused. It is an outward-focused religion. And so we are called to bear with each other, seeking the interests of each other. And following on from last week, remember, there are those who are strong in the faith. They are those who know their freedom in the gospel. And so they must bear with the failings of the weak. They are not to say, well, this is my right and I can do what I want. But instead, the strong are to say, I will deny my right for your good. The strong are to say, don't worry about me, I'm okay, let's worry about you. And so look at verse 1 with me. Keep your Bibles open, we'll actually make our way through these few verses. Verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. But for what purpose? Well, of course, the purpose is for the good of the other. It is for the building up of each other. That is how Christians are to function. That is how the family of God is to function. 
Now, remember the challenges we've been reiterating the last few weeks, which uh, we shared a few years ago at our camp. Each week, what is it that we encourage you to do after our service? Why do we encourage you to, in the first five minutes after each service, to speak to someone you don't know or don't know too well? Why do we challenge that? It is so that you can take an interest in them to build them up. It is to fulfill this purpose. Or why do we encourage you to aim to have each week just one deep and meaningful conversation? Why? So that you can take an interest in them and build them up. It is for their good. You see, Christianity is an outward-focused religion. And this is something we all need to do for each other each week at church, outside of church. And so for me as your pastor to you, for your good, that is to be my focus. You to each other for each other's good, that is to be your focus. And of course, you to me as well for my good. We are in this together as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm included. I need you just as much as you need me. You see, sometimes when we look around, we've got so many different personalities and people who are just different. I mean, I'm quite different. I'm one of those blokes you can describe as being emotionless. You know, we don't feel too much. But if you know me well enough, though, I have skin as thick as a rhino's back. Do you know what's under that layer of thick rhino skin? A layer of fat. And <laughs> But I'm still human inside. So what I'm getting at is we are all human. We need to care for each other. We need to build each other up. We need each other, despite our personalities. And through our personalities, we need each other. And that's why each week it's a good thing to consider and to think how we might build each other up. While we might say, well, it's, it's so wonderful how you led us in singing tonight. It, it really encouraged me. Thank you for serving us in that way. You read the Bible extremely well tonight. It was so clear, and I did feel like God was speaking to me as you were reading. Thank you. Your prayers, that reflected my own prayers, my own heart, and I said amen to that. Thank you for praying. Your sharing tonight moved my heart deeply. Thank you for sharing your life with me. Your service in the kitchen, thank you for doing that. That enabled us to have good conversations. Thank you for doing the things that no one else notices or wants to do. Or well, how can I pray for you this week and I will remember to do that? Why do we speak in that way to each other each week? Is it not so that we might build each other up? And so that's what Paul gets to. Verse 2. Each of us should please his neighbour for his good to build him up. Now the thing with being outward focused... What Paul's teaching us here is not just teaching us to be nice people, to be nice Christian people. This is not just teaching us to be um, good at doing life, that this is just a good way to live in life. It's in fact getting far deeper than that. It is in fact far more significant because this is in fact getting to the core of what it looks like to be human. You see, to be other person-centred, to always be focusing outwards towards the other person is in fact to be like God. Now, have you ever thought about it that way? It's in fact quite profound. 
You see, to be other person-centred is to be like God. For that is how God is as Trinity, Father, Son and Spirit. You see, ultimate reality lies with God. He is ultimate reality. And that is what God is like. Other person-centred within himself. And so when we live that way, we are reflecting what God is like within himself. It is, in fact, quite profound. Listen to what this man brought to Knox once said. He's the former principal of the Bible college I attended. He said this, There is complete other person-centeredness in this relationship of the father to the son and of the son to the father. The son does nothing of himself, but as the father taught him. The same is true of the relationship of the spirit to the father and the son. The spirit is self-effacing. He does not speak from himself, but he takes the things of the son and shows them to believers. He glorifies Christ. And these relationships are other person-centered. As all good, true relationships must be, this is the character of God. And this is how creation has been made. And so do you understand why Paul is making this point? How we are to live this way? Why we are to live this way? It is profound. To live this way is to be like God because God is other person-centred. And if God is like that and he made the universe, when we as Christians live lives lives where we are other person-centred, then we are living in line with the grain of the universe. We live in line with the grain of the universe. And that's why when you think about it, other person-centred living just works. It works in life. Thinking outwards works in life, in relationships. It's, It's one of the tools I use in my own evangelism. God is true. And that's why living God's way works in life. And so when I try to live other person-centred life, where I show respect and love and humility and selflessness and sacrifice, it just works in life. You know, it's far better than being proud and selfish. That does not make you any friends, nor does it make you a good wife or husband or mother or father or neighbour or citizen. I'm a far better husband, father, pastor, citizen if I live a life where I'm other person-centred to look outwards. And that's because that's the way God has designed humans to be. Look outwards following the pattern of Christ. And when we follow the pattern of Christ, when we live such lives that is other person-centred, we are learning to be humans once again. We're learning to live like the lives that God made us to live, like God himself. And that is profound. Christ-like living is to be more human. And that's why Jesus is set up here by Paul as the pattern. Think outwards following the pattern of Christ. Though he himself, the Lord of heaven, became himself the slave of men. The king derided, the Lord mocked, the gentle butchered. The life giver gave his life. And why? Why did Jesus live that way, do all that? 
Well, it is for our good. It is for our salvation. Jesus himself was thinking outwards for the good of others. And that's the pattern in verse 3. Have a look. For even Christ did not please himself as it is written. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. And so Jesus bore in himself all that we deserve for our good. In fact, what we see in the following verses is that it's not only Jesus who came for our good. The whole of the Old Testament was written down for our good. It is also other person-centered. It is for us. Look at verse 4. For everything was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And so these words of God are for our good, for our encouragement and for our hope. This is real. This hope is real. There is indeed eternal life. And now the Apostle Paul, he, he prays that. He prays that that might be the case in the church amongst believers, that it will be God who will grant endurance. Now, you may have experienced this as well in your own lives. Sometimes life is just a bit overwhelming. So much to do. So, so many things to worry about and to stress about. But yet somehow it is still possible to endure it. We as a family, Yvonne and myself and our kids, we certainly feel this at times in, in life and also in ministry that somehow, as busy as it is, God grants us just enough endurance to get through it and we feel it. And here we see it is also God who grants encouragement. How are you to go in life? Well, be encouraged by God. Draw strength from him. And so there is no burden too big, no hill too high, no sea too wide that you can't carry, climb or cross. Now, I still remember a prayer that was prayed at the graduation service of the Bible college I went to. And it was a powerful prayer prayed by one of the students for the graduating students who would go on being pastors and ministers and missionaries and gospel workers all around the world. And he prayed this. He prayed that they would not be given a lighter load in ministry, but instead that, it would be, that they would be given broader shoulders to carry the load that God would have them carry in the work of the gospel. It's a powerful prayer. Not a smaller load but bigger, broader shoulders to carry the load. And that is the encouragement that can come from God. And that's what Paul prays here. And so the church today, we are called to follow the pattern of Christ so that in one united heart and voice, we give glory to God. So have a look, verses 5 and 6 now. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now just try to picture what Paul was describing there. It's a beautiful picture. And isn't that what we sort of experience even in our church family? Not just the very young to the very old, but yet we're so different in all sorts of different ways. Different culture, different upbringings, different professions, different suburbs, different interests so different that it is just extraordinary that we will meet together like a family. I mean, we have 
art students. He's sitting next to engineering students, and they actually talk to each other. It's profound. You don't see that on campus. But yet we are so different. But it is the gospel, gospel that brings us together with the result of one heart glorifying God. And so Paul says here, look outwards, following the pattern of Christ. Now second, look upwards, pursuing the purpose of Christ. We already saw that briefly in verse 6. And that is, the ultimate purpose of Christ is that God the Father might be glorified. I mean, why did God create everything in the first place? Why did God make us and gave us life in the first place? Why did God plan and purpose salvation the way he did in the first place? Why did God even allow sin to mar his good creation in the first place? Why did God send his own beloved son, Jesus Christ, in the first place? Well, the answer is, it is ultimately for the glory of God that we might bring him praise. And so look upwards. Look at verses 7 to 8 with me. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. You see, that was the intention of Christ, that God might be glorified not just among the Jews but also the Gentiles. There is no division, no barrier, but everyone, the whole world, united for the glory of God. That is the purpose of Christ. And that must also be our purpose. And it's in fact what we try to teach our kids. What are we here for? What do we live for? What are we to do today? Well, it is for the glory of God. Now many of you would have heard me share this illustration uh, before, but I'll say it again. If you've heard it, please bear with me. On long road trips, and when our kids are a bit rowdy, Sometimes I'm a bit fed up and I suggest let's play a game. It's not I spy. That's a bit boring anyway and I'm meant to concentrate on the road. We play. How about we learn the Westminster Confession while we, while we drive? So we do the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And if you don't know what that is, the Westminster Shorter Catechism is a list of questions and answers about Christian doctrine and so the kids, you can tell, they're always, always very excited about that. The last time we did this, I think we got up to question 10. Now we've got another long road trip coming up on our holiday in July, and so we hope to get further than that. But what is the first one in the Westminster Shorter Catechism? The first question is, what's man's chief end? And the answer, our kids should be able to answer this, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That is our purpose, our ultimate purpose. And so look upwards. And it's in fact what we pray each day as a family. On the way to school, when we do pray, we say a, a short prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this new day, for the life you give us and all that we'll do today. We pray that you'll help us do the good things you've prepared ahead for us to do. And we pray that this day might be the best day of knowing, loving and serving you and living for your glory. Amen. Their lives 
are for the glory of God, just as ours. And so you see, the purpose of Christ himself is for the glory of God. He died so that Jews and Gentiles, that is the whole world, might glorify God. And Paul now, he quotes from the Old Testament to show that that was always the case. God worked for his glory all along. Look at verse 9. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. And again it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Always God's intention right from the beginning that through his Son he will be glorified in all the world, not just among Jews but among Gentiles as well. And then finally Paul ends with his blessing and prayer. He ends saying, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so look upwards, pursuing the purpose of Christ. Now knowing this, knowing this motto, what difference do you think this is to make to us today as Christians? Well, hopefully, unlike many nice, fun, even insightful mottos we hear, we work hard at remembering this one because it ties us to each other for each other's good. It also ties us to God for his glory. That is his purpose for us. And it centres our purpose on Christ. It is his pattern and it is his purpose. And so, look outwards, following the pattern of Christ. Look upwards, pursuing the purpose of Christ. And so what does that mean? Well, what it means is that if we are looking outwards then we're not preoccupied with looking inwards. That is the life of a Christian. But if we're honest with ourselves, that is the preoccupation of this world and even many of us. Think of yourself first, we're taught. Love yourself first, we're taught. Me, mine, myself first. But that's not the Christian way. Now, I did... Uh, a quick research just to show that this is the case in our society. Do you know how much Australians spend on grooming, appearances, makeup each year? Any ideas? Well, let me tell you. Women spend $15 billion a year on makeup and skincare and manicures and pedicures and facials. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's a lot of money. Now, of course, that should come as no surprise, but in my research, what was surprising, what was shocking, was what blokes spent on these things. Men in Australia spend more than $7 billion annually on grooming, and over $730 million of that on manicures. I could not believe it. Why would men need manicures? And in this article, it, it tried to make it more macho for men. And so companies will market with manlier names. Mascara to Manscara. <laughs> Eyeliner to Guyliner. Foundation to Tinted Moisturiser. I couldn't believe myself when I read that article. But let me just say, if you do wear any of that stuff, no judgment coming from me. <laughs> 
nothing out loud anyway. <laughs> but personal hygiene is a good thing. It is loving your neighbour when you wear deodorant and brush your teeth. But just to contra contrast how much we spend on those things in Australia, to contrast how much Australians spend on giving, thinking outwards, giving to charity, how outward focused are we? Now, these stats uh, probably don't include giving to churches, but in the 2015 to 2016 financial year, Australians donated $12.5 billion to charity. Seems like a lot, but far less than the $22 billion we spend on grooming. And so that's really just to show it's so easy, really, so easy for us, even as Christians, to just look inwards, to focus inwards and not outwards. But the Christian way is to look outwards. And we will be kidding ourselves if we think that that's not true. But here's a test. Have a look at this photo. Anyone know where this photo is from? Yep, church camp last year. Now put your hands up if the first person you were looking for is yourself. Yep, uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, that's what our natural inclination is, not it? Show your photo, I'm looking for myself. You see, our natural default tendency is to think about ourselves, to look inwards and not outwards. Now, of course, many of you were not there at camp last year, which means you better go this year so you get on next year's photo and then you can look at yourself. <laughs> but more seriously, how are we to be thinking outwards instead of inwards? Well, it's very easy to always look inwards. When you, you've had a fight or conflict, and then you spend a night rolling around in your bed, replaying in your mind what happened. Who ends up winning that fight in your mind? Well, in my mind, I'm always the victor. I'm always more gracious, more generous, more wise, but always the winner. I mean, I'm thinking inwards. Or when you've been deeply hurt, and it affects you deeply inside, it breaks your heart, eats you inside. What's the natural inclination of our heart? Oh Lord, please send down fire and brimstone on that person. Turn that person to a pillar of salt. Now isn't that looking inwards instead of outwards? Is that following the pattern of Christ? Or is it deviating from the pattern of Christ? You see, it's so easy to look inwards rather than outwards. And I'm no different to you. But this is a clear reminder. The Christian way, the way of Jesus, is to think and look outwards, not inwards. And it takes effort to do it. It takes effort to be like Christ, to follow his pattern. It just doesn't happen automatically. We slip into sin, but we never slip into godliness. Godliness requires training. It takes effort. And so if I find myself spending a whole lot of time and money on myself, and that's just how I am, but I read this and I'm reminded I want to be looking outwards, then I might consider and reflect and change. I might consider how I'm using my time, my resources, the benefits 
that God has given me, the resources, the finances, and how I might use that outwardly for the good of the other, for the building of the kingdom of God. And that takes effort. Or if I find myself in some unfortunate conflict, and I read this passage, and I'm wanting to think outwardly for the good of the other, then I'm not replaying the scenes in my mind where I end up the victor, but instead I'm seeking the interest of the other. I'm seeking reconciliation. I'm seeking peace, if at all possible. I'm seeking unity in Christ. And that takes effort. It always takes effort to think outwardly. Or if I've been deeply hurt and my heart aches because of it, and I read this, but I want to be looking outwards, then I'm not thinking about revenge in my heart. Instead, I'm seeking God and asking that he would grant me grace, that I would not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good, that I'll be long-suffering, that I will seek to restore, to build up, to bring about gospel reconciliation, if at all possible. Looking outwards takes effort, takes training. Now let me share with you our experience from our own struggles in life. We've been living for a few decades now and also our ministry. Each and every time, it is always better to look outwards than inwards. Even in times of sadness and distress and afflictions and difficulties, it's always better to not be so introverted to get everyone focus on me, think about me, care about me, just look at me, it's always better to think outwards. Even though my life is difficult, I'm thinking outwards for the good of others. How can I continue? My life is tough, but that's okay. How can I continue to love and to care and to share and to serve you? I'm interested in you and I want your good. And why is that better? Well, because it is following the pattern of Christ, and that's honouring to God. And now finally, look upwards, not downwards. The purpose of Christ is all for the glory of God. We do not diminish that by pursuing a lesser purpose. It is belittling of the purpose for which we were made. We were made for something far bigger, and that is the glory of God. And so let me ask you, in your Christian walk, if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, in your Christian service, how much of it is about your honour? And how much of it is about the honour and glory of God? Well, here's a test. Ask yourself this. Will you continue to serve in what you're doing more and more, even when it goes unnoticed, when you're not given the public acknowledgement, when people forget to thank you? Or will you instead start to feel resentful, bitterness and lack joy in service? Now, of course, we're always meant to encourage each other, but would you feel resentment Bitterness, lack of joy in service if no one notices. 
Now let me share with you how we work as a family, how Yvonne and myself, we think about this, we pray about this, how we get through each week in ministry. Ministry is filled with so much joy when we see gospel transformation in our church. It is always exciting to see that and it motivates us to continue and it continues to motivate us each week as we see lives change here. People coming to faith, people growing and taking seriously the faith that God has given. But when times are difficult and tough, and sometimes even heartbreaking, this is our constant refrain to each other. I say this to Yvonne, Yvonne says this to me, and that is, we serve the king. And that is enough. Doesn't matter. People see, not see, doesn't matter. We serve the king. And that is enough. You see, it is for the glory of God. Look upwards, not downwards. And that's why we feel often in our own inadequacies, and we feel it all the time, who am I to be a preacher of the word of God? I mean, that's crazy. Who are we to be a shepherd of the flock of God? But in all our inadequacies, our refrain is, we serve the king. And that is enough. I mean, why would the Denesis go to Nepal, try to reach this unreached people group up in the mountain regions. Why? And I'm sure they'll be saying the same thing. We serve the king, and that is enough. Look upwards, not downwards. And so what can our motto be as Christians, as servants of the king? Look outwards, following the pattern of Christ. Look upwards, pursuing the purpose of Christ. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, what a privilege and honour it is that we could even presume to bring glory to you in our lives. But we pray, Lord, that this word of yours will sink deeply into our hearts, causing us to live such lives that we do follow the pattern of Christ and pursue the purpose of Christ that your name might be glorified in our lives. And may the God of all hope fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in you, so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, our King. Amen.